CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace, not Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. The International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150, sponsor this program. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Ben Jarofsky, let's hit him with that song of the day, huh? I'm gonna tell you a story every man ought to know. If you want a little loving, you gotta start real slow. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, All wow. right. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Friday, December 13th. And live from the Chicago Sun-Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, it's another Ramana Rundown with Chicago Sun-Times editor Ramana Hussein. 25th Ward Alderman Byron Sigcho Lopez will join us with Maureen Targos. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Benjarovsky. Hello, everybody. Benjarovsky here. We're calling this Happy Hour Friday. And he's why. Great column in the Reader this week by my partner in crime, Maya Dukmasova. That's correct. Thank you. <laughs> Mueller just weighs in on that one. Uh, and it deals with Eddie Gate. Uh, Eddie Gate, of course, is the name that we've given to the scandal that has surrounded Eddie Johnson, the former chief of police right here in the city of Chicago. A scandal, folks, that says so much in so many ways about our existence on planet Earth. Yes, indeed. I mean, I know it's not the greatest scandal in the world, but in so many ways, it just speaks to our existence. All right, let me just uh, go back in time and tell you exactly what the scandal. You may have forgotten or some out there don't know. Some people stumbling upon this podcast for the first time do not know what Eddie Gate is. All welcome right? to the podcast, by the way, yeah, everybody. Welcome to the, I'm going to tell you a story. I wish you had. We're put, idiots. I wish you hadn't put that song in my mind, man. That's Roy Head, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, I don't know how I put that uh, song in your head. I don't know how you did either. Anyway, right, let's focus, focus, Ben, focus. Uh, Eddie Johnson is the former police chief of the city of Chicago, and he was found slumped behind the wheel of his car, uh, not far from his house on the south side of Chicago, in the wee hours of October 17th. And boy, the way that set up a scene. Just imagine if you're the patrolman who. Uh, discovered Eddie Johnson there. You find your boss, the chief of police, the top man on the totem pole, uh, f- passed out behind the wheel. What do you do? I'll tell you what you do if you're in the city of Chicago, the country, the United States, or anywhere else. You pass it on to someone else higher up the ladder. You, that is for somebody to make a decision about that has a higher pay grade than you. And so it was that ultimately Lori Lightfoot, 
mayor of the city of Chicago, had to weigh in on it. Now, Eddie Johnson was not appointed to his position by Lori Lightfoot. Uh, he was appointed to his position by the previous mayor, uh, Dennis's favorite mayor, Mayor Rahm. But How'd you know? <laughs> I just wanted to see if you were paying attention. Anyway, uh, but Lori Lightfoot had kept him on. So in some ways, you could say that Eddie Johnson was Lori Lightfoot's police chief because she decided to keep him on. Anyway, so she had to decide what to do about Eddie Johnson. And so she came to the conclusion that nothing he had done that night warranted warranted discipline. She basically said she talked to Eddie Johnson and Eddie Johnson told her uh, that he may have had a drink or two, a glass of wine with some friends, uh, but uh, nothing significant, so he wasn't drunk, and so there was no need to take a breath analyzer test. Uh, Furthermore, it may have been his blood pressure pills, medication that made him sleepy, whatever. Nothing there to see. Just move on, Chicago. And then suddenly, turns out, Turns out there was more to the story than that. It turns out two months later, was it two months later? Yeah, it was like December. Yeah, two months later, all of a sudden, Lori Lightfoot holds a press conference to announce there were more details, details that Eddie Johnson had never told her. Details like he hadn't just had a glass of wine or two with friends. He was out carousing, drinking at a bar called Siri's Cafe in the West Loop, which is known for giving humongous amounts of alcohol uh, in drinks. That's like a little bit here, but like big time drinks. They're serving 40s, guys. What's a 40? Oh, my God. A 40 ounce. <laughs> oh, a 40 ounce. They serve 40s. Uh, and uh, it turns out he just wasn't hanging out with a few friends. Oh, no, negatory. He was making out at the bar with a woman who's not his wife, D. Chicago was shocked. The woman was not his wife. All right? And, and turned out there's all these other theories. Turns out that perhaps a lot of, uh, lot of speculation that he wasn't sleeping behind the wheel of that car. That when the police officer came there, he saw Eddie Johnson being serviced, if you will, by someone. If you know what I'm talking about, Dr. D. Now, just imagine that. If you're a relatively lowly patrolman in the city of Chicago and you stumble upon your boss in the front seat of his car getting a what, you know, I don't think I'm allowed to say this on the air with you, D, because you always make me clean up my language, right? Yeah. So service is what's all I'll say, because Dr. D, really, he has a tight reins on me when it comes to, you know, saying anything. That's correct. Uh, thank you, Robert Mueller. Anyway, Lori Lightfoot's outraged. She immediately fires him, says he's lied. The internal uh, inspector general is doing a report. We're going to hear about Eddie Gate in so many different ways for time to come. Here's what Maya wrote about. Some dude created a Facebook invitation. Let's uh, call it for a getting Eddie Johnson drunk at Siri's cafe party. It happened the other day, and about three dozen people showed up, including Maya, a very enterprising reporter. Uh, Maya showed up. She goes where the story is, D. Uh, so she went to the bar and hung out and watched and listened and watched as everybody got royally drunk, drinking drinks just like Eddie Johnson and weighing in. And if you read her story, it's what's so delightful about it and what's so interesting and entertaining and enlightening that it's just so classic. The things that people had to say are just so symbolic of the Chicago view of life. Everyone is so jaded. Everyone is so cynical. And but everyone is kind of enjoying it all. Very few people believe the official story uh, that was given about any of uh, any of the aspect. No one believes, apparently, or very few people 
people believe that Eddie Johnson was just sleeping behind the wheel. Uh, very few people believe he got uh, fired uh, for lying. Most people think that Lori Life was just looking for any old excuse just to fire him and found this one as a convenient one. And finally, very few people believe that him drinking at the bar, making out with a woman who's not his wife, falling asleep or getting serviced in his car outside of his house in the wee hours is justification for getting fired. This is my favorite part of the story, D. It's like all the crimes that somebody could commit or all the bad acts that somebody can commit as chief of police get overlooked. This is what takes him down. It reminds me of Donald John Trump. He's getting taken down for, well, he won't be taken down because you know the Republicans will vote to acquit him. But of all the things that Donald John Trump has done since uh, he's been president, he's getting impeached for the Ukrainian phone call. And it's like the stuff that will get you in trouble is never as bad as the stuff you to get away with every day. Anyway, great story. My urge everybody to read it. And we have a great show today. Maya, Maya, Maya. Yeah. The crowd is going, we have to post that on our Facebook page. What? The the Maya story. I'll send it to you at the next break. Anyway, we have a great show today. Ramana Hussein will be in here. She'll be weighing in on, we're going to be talking, you know, one of the things we're talking about, uh, it's funny, great minds think alike. When I call Ramana today, what do you want to talk about? Richard Jewell, the new movie by Clint Eastwood. Uh, It's supposed to be an accurate portrayal of how a fake news uh, ruined one man's life and in the telling of that tale they kind of make up a story about a woman reporter so it's like you have to do fake movie making to make a movie about fake news uh and it gets into the whole issue well I'll save it for uh, when Ramon is here. The uh, fake news part of Richard Jewell, we talk about that. How about talking about Dorothy Brown? Uh, she, she, no, no corruption in the clerk's office. Dorothy Brown isn't uh, indicted or convicted of anything, but one of her aides goes to jail. Isn't that interesting? In the Eddie Johnson story, we talk about people get in trouble, uh, don't get in trouble for the real bad stuff that they do, and they get in trouble for the extraneous stuff. It's the perfectly legal, acceptable stuff that uh, is the outrage, but people just fly through life doing that. Somehow or other, it's always AIDS uh, to powerful people that go to prison. We're ta- I'm thinking of Michael Cohen. He's in jail right now. Donald Trump is still president of the United States. Uh, same thing happened with the uh, clerk of the circuit court. Bina Patel is going to prison. We'll talk about that. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump is a lunatic, D. I think he should be Trump. He should be impeached for some of his stupid tweets. How about that? We'll be talking about some of uh, Donald Trump's outrageous behavior. And then in the second part of the show, uh, I can't wait. Uh, Byron Sixer Lopez, the alderman of the 25th Ward, outspoken and uh, outstanding. A uh, uh, What is he? Democrat socialist in the city council. We'll be talking about uh, budget issues and policing issues and uh, uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot issues and development issues. And Lorene Targos will be here as well and she is the activist um ep we've talked i've talked about i've had her on the show before uh a great crusader for uh, the environment and who um was was the one who did that civil disobedience uh, at an epa award ceremony back this summer so a lot of political discussion of all kinds national and local ahead of us before we do any of that the young man with the news how's it going guys young man here <laughs> I didn't call you the doctor because you don't like to be called the doctor. Oh, yeah, that's stopped you before. In the pre-show, he said, Ben, um, I don't want to be called the doctor anymore. (laughs) I said, okay, can I call you the doctor? Can we have a talk, Ben? (laughs) 
Listen, I know you have fun calling me the doctor. But it really hurts. Don't call me doctor. And don't call me boy. You the man boy. You the man boy. All right, I'm Dennis, by the way. Before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois for the fourth and final time this week, we need to shamelessly plug our weekend Benny J bonus interviews. Oh, we got some good ones. True. We do not do our regular 1 to 3 p.m. show on Saturdays, Sundays, or Mondays. But nope. if, if you think that we don't have anything for you to listen to on those days, that, my friends, would be false. Because we here on the Ben Jarofsky Show, and by we, I mean just... Me and Ben. By the way, Ben, did you uh, give our 2 o'clock guests my phone number so I can let them in the building? Uh-oh. Oops. <laughs> All right, we'll do that on commercial break. Oh, you don't want me to do it now? Yeah, we'll do it on commercial break. Okay. Several hats on the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> show. Including, I'm wearing about 10 of them right now. <laughs> but hey, we here on the Benny J Show, we offer up fresh, brand new content for you to download at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download podcasts every Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Here's this weekend's lineup on Saturday, available by 5 a.m. She's talking all things. Let's get Donald Trump the hell out of office <laughs> in the 2020 POTUS election. It's well-known Chicago media superstar Marge Halperin. Yes, uh, and with uh, Indivisible Chicago, uh, yeah, it's a great conversation talking about uh, uh, congressional districts, swing districts, what Democrats can do to hold on to those districts and take them back, uh, and also talking about uh, what to do in Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. Marge is makes it clear Democrats should learn the lessons of 2016. You, you just can't leave things up to the National Party. You can't leave things up to whichever presidential campaign, uh, whichever presidential contender we have uh, running. You have to take control. You have to take. You sort of have to chart your, you know, your own destiny here. And so they're already gearing up uh, to send uh, volunteers into Wisconsin and Michigan uh, and parts of Illinois where there's congressional swing districts. So Marge lays out the strategy. Fascinating talk uh, with Marge Halpern. So that's Saturday's Benny J. Bonus interview available by 5 a.m. Subscribe and download. Up next. And people, if you could only see the look on Ben Jarofsky's face as he was conducting it, oh, he was having a great time. We talked one-on-one -on -one with a gentleman named Buzz Palmer and his son, and no, not the legendary basketball player. His name is David Robinson. Buzz Palmer is a legend in the city of Chicago, and it's, it was just, uh, yes, my I, my face was like Christmas time here. Our face was all lit up. He was, he created, he formed the Afro-American Patrolman's League back in the 60s. Uh, he's born and raised in Chicago. He was a spy for he was a CIA operative uh, he talks a lot about our analysts I should say back in the 50s and he went from there to becoming a, uh, a patrolman a policeman in the city of Chicago uh, and felt it was imperative to organize the Afro-American Patrolman's League fascinating conversation uh, with Buzz Palmer about just the whole relationship between uh, black residents and police officers we get into old spying stuff from the 50s and the 60s and then we did a lot of Harold Washington talk Buzz Palmer was a big uh, ally, friend, and supporter of Harold Washington. And uh, so a lot of uh, real important history that still relates today. I urge absolutely everybody should be taking that interview with Buzz Palmer D and playing it in the public schools, teaching kids a little bit about our history. The great, the legendary Buzz Palmer. That interview with Buzz Palmer and David Robinson will be available Sunday morning by 5 a.m at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download podcasts. And finally, Monday, a good friend returned to the program. She's a political strategist and a pretty damn good one, if you ask us. She's Joanna Klonsky, 
And Ben, she brought a friend with her. Isn't that right? Elena Hampton was in the studio with Joanna. Elena Hampton is the the uh, former Democratic political operative who sued uh, Michael Madigan's organization and the Democratic Party uh, regarding uh, her allegations of sexual harassment uh, or harassment. And she settled that case. We talk a lot about uh, the Me Too era in politics. Uh, take a deep dive and uh, her experiences. Very interesting story. Uh, Elena Hampton revealing a lot of what she went through over the last couple of years. And then we do a little political you know joanna's in the studio so we do a little political uh, uh well we uh talked a little bit about uh, the harvey weinstein case etc and so forth so fascinating conversation uh with joanna klonsky and elena hampton that interview will drop monday at 5 a.m along with buzz palmer on sunday march halperin on saturday and if you need to catch up on the major local stories this week before a new week of news begins make sure to download our oh what a week it was week in review best of special that will drop on Sunday night. It's our Benny J bonus interview. Subscribe to the Ben Jarofsky show and download them or Ben and I will be very mad and never talk to you again. <laughs> Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he means it. I, I want to tell you a story. What? Every man ought to know. Is this okay. a song? Yeah. <laughs> All, right, All right. Let's talk about the local news. And hey, I got to If you be- want a little loving. Okay, you got to start real slow. Let me write All that right. down. One a little loving. You got to start real slow. Start real. That's Roy Head. Start real fast. No, no, slow. Slow. Okay, right. great, great. If you want a little loving. <laughs> Actually, and Bruce Springsteen, your favorite, uh, does his cover version of that. Instead of slow, he start. He says low. Interesting. Oh wait, let me look. Yeah, everybody <laughs> tuned out. It's just you and me talking to ourselves. Did I tell you that Otis Redding does a cover of that story? As All well? right, let's talk about the local news. And hey, I got to be honest with you, people. Pretty slow news day out there. Not a lot going on. Watch out for that tumbleweed, Ben. (laughs) You just wanted an excuse to play that tumbleweed thing, and it's a pretty good one. I spent like 20 minutes looking for a tumbleweed. I need a tumbleweed thing. (laughs) I came in, hey, D, what's going on? Don't bother me. I'm looking for tumbleweed. It's very temperamental in the morning, by the way. The young doctor from Alton Working that board, doing all kinds of board things. He's not lying. All right, so not a lot going on. So what you're about to hear, people, is a tutorial on how to kill time on a podcast, at least until your 1.30 (laughs) guest arrives. By the way, you just heard lesson number one on how to kill time on a podcast, (laughs) at least until your 1.30 guest arrives. Plug your weekend bonus shows. (laughs) Correct. Well, I would have hoped you would have done that anyway, because, you know, you have to promote stuff, D. All right, first up, no public event scheduled for Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Ben, it's Friday afternoon. What do you think Mayor Lightfoot's doing right now? She's having lunch. Lunch? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Is uh, it a luncheon, perhaps? Uh, either that or gala. Oh, okay. Well, no, that's J.B. Pritzker. He likes the gala. Oh, Lori okay. Lightfoot's lunch. Oh, then she's having a lunch and he's having a gala. <laughs> and no new major Lori Lightfoot news to discuss this afternoon thus far. Mm-hmm. But in case you missed it, we talked about this in hour number two of Thursday's show, right before our interview with PC Peter Cunningham. Mayor Lori Lightfoot on Thursday defiantly defended, well, this is, by the way, from Fran the Woman Spielman at Chicago Sun-Times. Mayor Lori Lightfoot on Thursday defiantly defended her decision to use money from her newly created political action committee also known as a PAC, P-A-C, to shame the 11 aldermen who dared to vote against her $11.6 billion budget. Yes, that's billion with a B. By creating a website (laughs) called ChicagoBudgetVotes.com and posting the 11 aldermen's (laughs) names on the website. 
Alderman Raymond Lopez of the 15th Ward, who was one of the 11 aldermen uh, who opposed the budget, has argued the mayor's website belittles legitimate concerns about the shaky nature of the mayor's budget, and no pun intended here, or maybe, I don't know, and, quote, shines the light on the true nature of her character being petty and vindictive. The mayor went on to say, defending her actions, quote, since when is letting voters and residents know how aldermen voted bullying? That's just silly. We have an absolute right to make sure that people really understand who voted, why they voted, what they voted for. A lot of people can't attend city council meetings. They may not have access to live streaming. We're providing an important service, and I stand by it. Ben, your thoughts on this again? Because it certainly is a different strategy from the mayor. Well, okay. First of all, uh, I would say that the 11 aldermen who voted no on that budget should be proud of their no votes. And uh, they did it for different reasons. Ray Lopez uh, had his particular reason. Uh, Byron Sixer um uh, who will be in the studio in about an hour had his reason. Some people did it because they felt that Lori Lightfoot did not provide enough funding uh, for the things like mental health clinics, did not come up with uh, progressive forms of taxation, relying on the same old, same old, like the property tax and so forth. So they had an ideological reason. Others, uh, right, like Raylo, uh, the alderman of the 15th Ward, were pointing out that they didn't think the budget uh, was quote-unquote honest uh, and that the budget wasn't really balanced and that at some point in the year, the mayor will be returning to them seeking new monies uh, to pay off the obligations because this budget uh, is just based on a series of projections that are far too rosy. Uh, so... I think that if you stand up to a mayor uh, on transparency issues like Raylo, and if you uh, stand up to a mayor on issues of how you spend money, like uh, the Democratic Socialists, those are both uh, justifiable reasons to stand up to a mayor. Uh, the people who went along with the mayor, you know, they have to defend their votes uh, for, you know, the rosy projections, and uh, we, we discussed this on Tuesday with uh, uh, a, a Brendan Riley saying all uh, all budgets are just projections anyway, so why should we vote no on this one just because it's the same old thing? Or you have to defend it and say we don't have money uh, for mental health programs, expanding mental health programs, so we're just going to have to make do with what we have, uh, like many of the um, sort of liberal alders, mainstream aldermen. So you have to defend it one way or another. My advice to absolutely anyone out there is not to believe the way Lori Lightfoot positions the vote on this budget on her website. Her website is ten intended to make it seem as though her budget is the greatest budget that was ever created in the history of the city of Chicago, and that anybody who voted against it was doing like a crime against the city. I would think that any voter who reads that has to see through the obvious propaganda of the appeal and realize that this is just a blatant political appeal by Lori Lightfoot to just win over support or cow intimidate people who vote against her. And you just didn't fall for it. I would hope most Chicagoans would see it that way. You know, I listen, I've been disappointed by Chicagoans in the past. They've voted for mayors that I didn't think they should even be running. I'm thinking really now of Mayor Daley in 2007, after four of the most corrupt years the city of Chicago's ever experienced. I know that's saying a lot. And voters still overwhelmingly reelected him anyway. So it's it's voters have let me down in the city of Chicago. But I do believe, having said that, that most voters will see through this and that uh, this 
website that she set up is not it, it, it i think it does not reflect well on her i think it, it's taking a very a, the democratic process and politicizing it i believe that she should just respect people for having a different opinion and not try to punish them she got her budget passed she got her budget passed overwhelmingly 39 to 11 is pretty overwhelming so why are you tripping over the 11 people who voted no but, you know, on the other hand, I wouldn't say uh, it's the end of the world. It's not like old man Daly uh, back in the day when people would rise up to speak out and denounce him or, or criticize him. He would turn off their microphones in the city council. So, you know, we I think about this, D. I'm going to be writing a column. How have we progressed as a civilization over the last 10 years? It's the end of a decade. I can't believe it. This 10 years went so fast. So, you know, when I when I say, well, all right, is it Mayor Daly uh, turning off a person's microphone, an alderman's microphone, or sending in... Uh, um, uh, the uh, sergeant at arms to force Dick Simpson to sit down in his chair and stop speaking. I, as opposed to Mayor Lori Lightfoot setting up a website that criticizes Alderman for daring to vote against her. I guess we're better off now than we were then. That was a little more forceful uh, and a little more primitive and barbaric. But uh, anyway, my, my recommendation to all citizens in the city of Chicago, do not fall for this website, okay? As far as our Illinois governor, uh, no, by the way, he did not take my advice from yesterday's show, unless you were wondering, uh, in case you were wondering. Today, J.B. Pritzker is at the Google Chicago office to attend Dream Hustle Code's annual Hour of Code. What? Uh, yeah, that's what it says I, here. What? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, Dream Hustle? Yeah. Dream Hustle Code's oh, annual man. Hour of Code. There's so much so stuff. So you're not I, going to that. Yeah, you know what? It just, it just overwhelmed. All the things I don't know. Every day, it's something else I realize. Like, I, I, we, I discussed this earlier. Billie Eilish didn't know who she was, you know? So I'm sure pretty much everybody out there knows what Dream Hustle is. I don't know what it is. I didn't know what series was the bar in uh, in the loop until Eddie Johnson Gate broke out, and then people were talking about series. I never even heard of series. Ramana Hussein, my next guest, she knew about series. How did she know about series? And I didn't know about series. I just got to get out more. You know what I'm saying, D? So I never heard of Dream Hustle. So yeah, J.B. Pritzker at the Google Chicago office uh, today, and. That's about all I got for the local news. Oh, damn. Ben, that tumbleweed's coming back. Watch no, wait, out. Hold on. I just want to uh, talk about one news item that was in the bright one today. Can I do that? Yeah. All right, before uh, we take a break and bring Romano on. And um, I've been going on and on this week about uh, how disappointed I am with the way a legalization of uh, marijuana has been unfolded, uh, been unfolding here in the city of Chicago and the state of Illinois over the last few weeks. And I based this a lot of great reporting by young Thomas, Tommy Shuba here at the Sun-Times. Uh, and so my great criticism about uh, the way uh, the marijuana laws were enforced throughout uh, the last, well, forever, is that basically black people got arrested for something that white people did all the time and never. So it was effectively legal for white people and illegal for black people people. Uh, that was at the top of the list of why I thought the, the laws against marijuana were so outrageous. That and the utter hypocrisy, the fact that people pretended as though there was something really weird about it when they were all doing it. Uh, so I just think it was symbolic of how people pretend uh, live in this make pretend world and put up with injustices because what they're too scared to challenge them. Anyway, we now are legal. And what do I find? Almost every company that's got the the right to sell legal reefer is some rich company owned by white people. That's correct. So thank you, Robert Mueller. So 
the thing was so unfair to black people when it was illegal, and now it's unfair to black people when it's legal. It's like nothing ever changes when it comes to reefer, and that's when I made my great pronouncement that I just want to make it illegal again. Just make it illegal again, but don't punish anybody. Nobody can get arrested for it. All right? That was my great uh recommendation. Oh, I, got, could, I got a feeling it's going to be your next column. Yes, it will be. I've <laughs> kind of written it in my mind. Anyway, I was happy to see my hometown, my beloved Evanston, E-Town, uh, has this, had a vote. There was a story in today's sometime. I don't know if, uh, uh, if Romana edited it, but there's a story. We, you, you did? <laughs> How did I, I didn't even know. There was no pre-show in that one, D. I'm telling you. I, didn't, I did not know she edited it. Rejoicing over reparations vote. Danny Glover was uh, in Evanston. Danny Glover, the great actor. And essentially, uh, the city of Evanston has decided they're going to give some of the proceeds uh, of the uh, 3% tax on cannabis sales. I love how they call it cannabis sales. Uh, you know, uh, reefer, marijuana, pot, whatever you want to call it. Uh, will go somehow or other to the African-American community in Evanston. Uh, they have to figure out how the, to uh, uh, to try to make uh, things right on stuff like redlining, predatory lending, the educational achievement gap, et cetera, and so forth. So it's like mer- reefer repara- uh, reparations. How about that, D? Alliteration. Reefer reparations. So you know what? If it's good enough for Evanston, City of Chicago should try a little something like that before they open up all these, you know, reefer places in the, on the Gold Coast that are run by these enormous wealthy companies that were looking the other way during all the years while black people were arrested for something white people were doing every day. So that's my that, that that's a good story that was in the Sun Times. Get ready for that Ben Jarofsky Chicago Reader column on that one in a few days. <laughs> I know that's what that. Yeah, I know it's be coming, about. man. You know what's coming. So there you are. Just like that, you're now in the know of uh, what's on Ben's mind, I guess, with what's going on locally this week and uh, today on the program we are going to be reading some of your questions on the YouTube live stream chat since it's kind of a slow news day we figured what the hell we'll go to you so uh, Brianna we see your question Uh, KMA Barry we see your question as well Pat Rod we're going to try and answer your questions today here on the show so stick around for that and also stick around because coming up after this break Ramana Hussein's with us it's the Ramana rundown don't go anywhere the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu masters. Yay for our teachers! Yay for our teachers! Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey, commercial break's over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Ramana Hussein in the studio with me, Chicago Sun-Times editor, comes in every Friday for the Ramana Rundown. And Ramana, you and I were on the same page this morning when I called you up uh, for our pre-show prep. And uh, I was saying, what's what's on your mind? And first thing out of your mouth was Richard Jewell. And I was... 
thinking the same thing. Richard Jewell is the latest movie by Clint Eastwood. Uh, it's out this weekend in the city of Chicago. I, I think it may have been out last week, but whatever. It's definitely out this week. You can see it this weekend if you want. And it tells the story uh, about a man who was falsely arrested uh, and charged. Was he officially charged? I can't remember if he's officially charged. I think he was because they had his, I mean, we know who he was. His picture was all over the place, wasn't it? Yeah. I, I, it's a good question. I think he was a suspect for he a was while. A suspect but and, that question is whether he was charged or not I yeah think. anyway he was uh a suspect yeah. in the uh, bombing uh out in atlanta during the olympics of 1996 turned out uh it was a very shoddy case uh there was no justification for it uh, somebody else uh was um uh, convicted of that bombing and uh so the man was really unfairly treated and the uh, one of the um, the reasons he was so unfairly treated is that the local newspaper put his name officially put his name out there as a suspect in the case, and as a result, he received his life was turned upside down. So it was an example. I remember when this happened, uh, Ramon. I remember when it went down. I do too. It was, it, my, was I, I, it was I was working at my first job at City News. Okay, so you were just in the journalism. So it was an example of newspapers, sort of the bad things that newspapers do. And as such, uh, you know, the the reporters uh, and the papers, in my humble opinion, it's fair game. Uh, they made this man's life miserable. They, they put his name in a paper when they shouldn't have. They, sh they, they deserve all the criticism they get. But somehow, some way in the telling of this tale... Uh, in this movie, 20 years later, whatever it is, Ramana Hussein, uh, Clint Eastwood and the writer of the movie felt compelled to invent something about uh, a woman reporter in the in the movie. Talk about and it. And it, there was the, the reporter that's portrayed in the movie. There actually was a reporter by that name, and her name was Kathy Scruggs, and she actually died in 2001. So she is... Um, long gone but the character is named after her and is her and in the uh, movie from what we're we've been hearing is that uh they sh they insinuate that she sleeps with the fbi agent who gives her the information so she's kind of trading sex for information about the case and that's how she finds out apparently i don't know if that's how she that goes from one to the other but it's just the insinuation that she is sleeping with her source and that's a common trope in a lot of um, Hollywood portrayals of female reporters. And it's kind of turned me off. I mean, I'll talk to you a little bit about within even the last two or three years and even five years where I've seen this. And I've al almost wanted to not watch certain shows because I heard that this was how a female journalist was portrayed. And I don't know if you knew, but the actress Olivia Wilde, she is uh, defending the portrayal of Kathy Scruggs and, you know, her, you know, sleeping with this FBI agent who is portrayed by John Hamm. Um, so it, she was, she just put out a series of tweets actually yesterday, but she, I think she had a couple of tweets the day before. And I don't know if you knew, but Olivia Wilde is a daughter of two journalists and she has an extended family full of journalists. So you would think that she would know better, but she's been sitting out, going out there defending the portrayal. And I, I think the latest she said was, it wasn't a she she didn't see the role as a trade like you know uh, you know trading sex for information but she said a pre-existing romantic relationship 
that this reporter had with this FBI agent, which I think is a pretty lame excuse. So I don't know if you, I don't know if you watched House of Cards. I uh, I, I remember I remember mm-hmm. I didn't want to watch the show because <laughs> someone told me I'd really like it, and then I remember reading all these articles when they had this one character named Zoe Barnes who ends up sleeping with you know Kevin Spacey's character to get information, mm-hmm. and I remember people there was a lot of think pieces written about that. And then they talked about how there's previous, you know, movies have had the same trope. Um, there's this movie called thank you for smoking, same thing. Um, and then even within the last year, I watched two movies, one that was set in present day. I mean, one was a series and a movie that was like made in the early eighties. The movie that was made in the early eighties was absence of malice mm. with Sally field. You saw that movie. Yeah, because We're, guess why? My husband made me watch it. <laughs> that movie I, was I never, way before your time. I, I would never, yeah. I would never have picked that movie. Um, but my husband and, and her husband like is really, one of the few people in America, other than me, who still gets Netflix discs yeah, through the mail. Yeah, he binge watches Cheers. So just to show you. <laughs> <laughs> I try to binge watch. I, I, I binge watch Cheers. I can't. I, really. I, 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 I'm not saying it's a bad show, but I'm just saying he's. He tends to watch a lot of retro things. Um, so he wanted to watch. Cheers. I love that damn mailman. <laughs> Where everybody knew. Is that Cheers or Friends? Cheers. Oh, thank you. Is that, okay, no, Norm, you know, Norm actually used to work at City News yeah. Bureau. Oh, so he's, I, yeah, he's from Chicago. I so I remember that. when I worked at City News, people were like, oh, you know, Norm from Cheers. He was the, God, what's his name? The act, George Went. I think he came to like one of the City News parties once, like a reunion party. So Pretty, I knew he did second city. Uh, you know, I didn't know he did yeah, that. You know, know you know, I, I have ties to everybody here. So Absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, um, so we, when we watched Absence of Malice, uh, Paul Newman's in it and Sally Field, and she sleeps with the, the the you know she's doing this investigative piece on this guy, and of course she ends up sleeping with him. And he and he slaps her around at one point too, and I was like, what the hell, you know? So I remember being annoyed. So I know it's supposed to be a great movie, Wait, but time out. just like did. Paul- Paul Newman slapped Sally Field. Yeah. Was it the Paul Newman character? Yeah. The, okay, let's just, you're in a, a riff here, but let's just talk about that for a while. See, I, I saw Absent Amounts in real time back yeah. in the 1980s. And you probably thought it was great. Uh, did I? I? Well, I love Paul Newman. It's true. Um, I don't, the, the one I really love. Or he, the, sla- he roughed her up. He like roughed he, her up. Does yeah. he actually hit her? He, he like hits her or like kind of like rips her clothes off or something like that. Well, like, here's the mean, like, you know, here's the movie that I think is great and that had a huge impact on me. But it is there is this moment in it where it's roughing up. And I wonder about this Chinatown. Oh, yeah, I saw that, too. Uh, where Jack Nicholson. That's another movie that make, made me watch. Yeah. Well, poor, <laughs> poor Romano's got to watch all these. But uh, Jack Nicholson. Uh, slaps around uh, the Faye Dunaway character, and I was like, "Why?" You yeah. know, but that was a thing. Like Jack Nicholson characters were doing in the seventies, slapping <laughs> women, and uh, and uh, I didn't, I you know, I don't remember the Paul Newman movie uh, Absence of Malice that much. Uh, just bizarre that all, <laughs> all these years later. Uh, yeah, I guess when you're you a woman, it. you're like cringe, and when you watch it in twenty nineteen, and, and he actually hit her. Well, I think he just like pushes pushes her down, like mm-hmm. he's annoyed with her, and you know. You know, of course, they still get together or they're like still like lovey dovey and like a scene later. So it's she just forgives like, him. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It just it's a very bothersome as someone who's a female journalist. Um, 
watching these characters. And then there was another uh, series that I watched, Sharp Objects. And this is a show, it was an HBO series that came out last year and is really popular. And um, why am I forgetting the name of the actress? She's a very famous actress. But anyway, um, the actress in there plays Amy Adams. She's in there and she plays a journalist and she goes back to her small town to work on this like murder mystery uh, of this young woman and you know they're just trying to show this like gothic southern town and and anyway she ends up sleeping with the police officer who's investigating the case and some guy that is a suspect in the murder you know it 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 was a good show it was critically acclaimed but just again it's this is by this is this is a show that's written by the author who same author who wrote gone girl girl who's chicago based mm-hmm. and i just felt like again it's the same trope over and over again whenever you see a female journalist in hollywood i kind of brace myself because you don't know what's going to happen next so what do you think's going on here spotlight actually had a good portrayal because the female journalist the on the investigative team was portrayed just like the men were yeah they were just just reporters reporters and you know kind of frumpy reporters yeah and you know you heard about that too about how like there's a whole article about how they made the reporters wear really bad clothes to look like actual (laughs) print reporters and there were some clothes that the report the actors are like i'm not wearing that well we this is another romana well we can talk about that we'll talk about (laughs) i think female journalists dress better than male journalists sorry i am married to a male print wait come out I know a lot of men Look get offended. Look at the uh, two guys in the room with you. <laughs> hey, I got a collar on my shirt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you Some know. Some guys dress better than others. Yes, that's but. true. In fact, I'm. there's a couple uh, reporters here at the, at the Bright One that I see walking around. Oh, you're looking good today. You oh, know? they're probably all the young, younger ones. All the guys who are my age don't dress Mark well. Mark Brown is a pretty yeah, sharp is. dresser. Yeah, yeah Let's he give is. him credit. I, I'm, I, if Show I, some I, love I, for Mark Brown's clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, well, wait, before we get into the frumpy, uh, r- poorly dressed. There'll be a ton of reporters rep- barging in the door. <laughs> hey! I tell. I, Tommy I, Shuba, who we're huge fans of here. He's and, a millennial. The, he's guy, millennial. the younger guy. He dresses guys. even worse than I do. Well, yeah, that's true. Some of, the, some of them dress better. I mean, there's some guys that are my age, I guess, but in general, I mean, I've told my husband that too. He's a male print reporter. They don't even try. That's a problem. And it's like. So whenever they show these movies where the women are like, oh, all like drooling all over these like male reporters, I'm like, what planet are we on? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so like, I mean, I'm married to reporters, so, Wait, so I, Ramon, I, have, I overlooked that. So. Um, th- this is, okay, now we're on a okay, tangent. Sorry, sorry, a tangent, sorry. But I like this tangent. <laughs> Uh, and this no, 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 but that, so let's go back. So yeah. it, I just feel like whenever there's male journalists who are portrayed, and you know, it's, this profession is, is not really that kind to women it you know we all talk about and I've, I've had this discussion with my husband as well we all talk about you know and we criticize other um entities for treating you know women and minorities differently or like uh, there's a there's a lot of inequality in journalism especially with women and people of color and you know we it takes a lot for us to be taken seriously and for that trope to be thrown out over and over again it's just kind of offensive. And what do you think the devastating impact of that trope is? To, 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 in movie like after movie? For, it's like even for like sources to think that you're like that, you know? And if anything, I think women, female journalists have to deal with a lot of gross men. 
it's and, and I mean all of us have stories about mm-hmm. that you know so or just like this presumption this is how we get information and not to say that journalists are unethical or have been unethical you know I you know that I think this movie is kind of I guess they're supposed to be espousing on that but you know nobody's saying that we'd make mis- we don't make we make mistakes I think the Atlantic Journal Constitution they want a disclaimer on the movie because they feel like, you know, this woman's being libeled. You know, she's not here to defend herself. She's gone. She's mm-hmm. dead. And they're saying that, you know, journalists do make mistakes. And I don't think any journalist will tell you other. But to insinuate that's the way a lot of female journalists get information is just, it's so damaging. It, it, well, it like so I damaging. said, this is a movie that's dedicated to per, per, uh, portraying how uh, the media can lose control of itself on a sensational story and ruin a man's reputation or ruin anybody's reputation by getting way out in front of something and then falsely accusing uh, or allowing a man to be falsely accused of a crime uh, he did not commit. And then, okay, in the aftermath, what are you going to do? The headline's already done. People have their thoughts already talking about this guy. How do you make how do you make them right on that one? And uh, so the movie is a very powerful indictment about that. But in the telling of the movie, you make up some stuff about this yeah, this so, woman yeah. reporter. So it's like, could you just make the movie with without making up I, the stuff? Exactly. So like you're libeling, you're saying that this the media libeled this guy, and then you're libeling. This actual journalist, it's not even a fictional character. I guess you can argue in all these other shows that I, uh, or in movies I talked about, they're all fictional characters, maybe not in Spotlight, but House of Cards, Shop Objects, Absence of Malice, all fictional characters. Mm-hmm. But this is actual an actual woman that was the reporter that um, revealed that Richard Jewell was a suspect. Yeah. that's a, You know, I just Googled his name. I don't know if he ever was charged. No, I don't think he was charged, so, but he was he was brought in for questioning. Yeah. I, I remember when this went down, the, the 96 Atlanta Olympics, that's the one where uh, Muhammad Ali lit the flame. Uh, I, I was obsessed with another story off of that, but I'll, I'll hold back on that. Anyway, I remember the women's gymnastics team. <laughs> Of a 96? Yeah, because remember uh, that one young woman did a, like, she did yeah, a, it was on the balance of uh, some god. Uh, I can remember, like, a lot of other names, but not her name. I remember Dominique Mucciano. Oh, yeah, I remember her, too. Yeah. From 96? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyways, but name. then there was the bomb, and uh, it turned out it was Eric Rudolph, yeah. uh, who was a terrorist who was bombing abortion clinics a lunatic yeah uh, and he did it not uh, richard jewell but, but where the paper went wrong was they put richard jewell's name in yeah and newspapers are bending over backwards and in this day and age it's hard you know because some outlet will say i'm we're protecting the name of uh, of a suspect because they haven't, they haven't been, been charged. charged and uh and I, I remember i get this email it gets weird emails you probably get them all the time too from readers uh and some reader was chiding me uh, for not using the name of of one of the women who was uh, implicated in Eddiegate, all right, and 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 they we didn't said, we chose not to use this woman's I, name. I I'm not I didn't I didn't even know the name because yeah. I I was relying on the Sun Times and the Tribune's coverage. So you didn't put it in. I didn't read it. If she hasn't been charged, I don't know why her name should be put out there. I stand by that. It's the same principle with Richard Jewell. I think that's a, a good principle to follow. I agree. I agree. If someone hasn't been charged with a crime, why put their name out there? Yeah. You know, and and then you know you always have to remember when someone's charged, they're not convicted, and there are 
many instances where someone's charged and they end up, you know, we do stories on them mm-hmm. and they end up being acquitted. And by the time, you know, the story, the case goes through trial, like nobody cares about the case but that this, much anymore. I'm just saying that, you know, even when someone's charged, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that they're guilty. That's one thing you have to remember. But when they're charged, they're fair game, I think. But this this thing about uh, the women reporters uh, being always attracted to the man, it, it gets into a larger story. This I yeah. struggle with this one. Uh, this is one of my pet peeves. A guy can look like anything. Oh, that is everyone. Yeah, yeah, and that's. I think that makes a lot of dorks think. Well, it, give, under, it gives confidence what was, to a lot. D, of guys. What was that movie I love? Chef. Oh, oh yeah, you told I me love about Chef. That. Yeah, but Chef, the guy is the uh, what's Favreau. He looks even worse than I do. <laughs> And all these beautiful women are lined up. I'm like, come on, yeah. man. I think that's just a, that's because a male director is making the movie. So it's his fantasy. Yeah. Scarlett Johansson. Scarlett Johansson. It's like Woody Allen. It's my Woody Allen theory. Like all these men talk about how great Woody Allen is. I'm like, most women, 90% of the women look at Woody Allen and think gross. Uh, that is actually not that may be true now but back <laughs> well, yeah, in the day because he was woody allen but if he was a regular guy walking down the street and didn't have millions of dollars oh you're talking would, about they they say uh okay you're and and portraying say gross, himself in the okay yeah. yeah i'm just saying they would look at him and be like Ugh. uh th- that um <laughs> I'm just saying. I, like i'm a little on the fence what's his name woody i'm out <laughs> <laughs> the wood man uh now nobody will go anywhere near woody allen yeah. which is uh fair game uh, and uh, but anyway, you know I oh, uh, Carrie Strug because remember Bella Car- <laughs> the Bella Caroli was like come on Carrie uh, and yeah. said, this guy has the internet right now <laughs> I thought it was like he knows so much about the nineties you're like two years old ask him who was in uh, Martin the stars of the TV show Martin he could tell you the whole cast uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. I remember that show. Yeah, but he can that tell you. That was my you, favorite like, show growing up. I still, show. I still watch Martin to this day. All right. Uh, so anyway, okay. I'm with you 100. percent And 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 I don't want to watch that. Yeah, I know. And now you're not. And then here's the deal. Uh, we had this uh, conversation on the phone. I am a big fan of Clint Eastwood. Have always been. Uh, I overlook his Republican leanings and the <laughs> uh, like. His movies uh, have messages that yeah. he conveys and it's really weird and this is so emblematic of our time just follow me on this one i've watched every clint eastwood movie pretty much did you like gran torino love gran torino <laughs> that uh, movie made me laugh um, but anyway so but you go back to dirty harry in dirty harry i don't know if you ever saw i've made, I never saw but okay, I know your husband will make it. you watch it okay. uh and uh, so in dirty harry uh, there's a, a rapist out there a serial murderer i think he's a murderer too yeah and 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 uh clint eastwood's uh, uh, cop is like the constitutional protections that we have uh to pr- the constitutional guarantees we have to protect uh suspects have to be thrown out the window because there's a rapist here fast forward Okay, so liberals in that movie are mocked and maligned as do-gooders who would expose the public to all kinds of criminals because they have these highfalutin attachments to these constitutional protections, okay? Fast forward to 2018, 2019, Donald John Trump is in trouble because he breaks every law, he lies every time. Suddenly, Republicans are concerned about due process rights when it's 
Republicans about under trouble. They're worried about due process rights. So what does Clint Eastwood come out with? A movie that says it's unfair the way the criminal justice system treated Richard media. Jewell. Well, the media and the criminal yeah. justice system treated yeah. Richard Jewell that you have rights, you have constitutional care. So that's funny, you know, when back in the 70s, he was making fun of So I have my issues with Clint Eastwood's yeah. politics. I, I feel like I haven't seen a Clint Eastwood movie in a long time. Like, you just saw like, Grand Torino. That yeah, wasn't but that long. That ago. was that was the last movie I think I saw by him, and I, that made, that made me. You didn't see Sully. Uh, no. Well, Sully was a, a libertarian movie. In Sully, Tom Hanks plays a pilot uh, who uh, saves the lives of all the people on oh, his yeah, plane yeah, yeah. with a very brave landing uh, in the Hudson I Bay, that. I want to say, or East River, wherever it was. Hudson River, I can't remember which river it was. Anyway, the point is, he's interrogated yeah. by these like these bureaucrats with the uh, federal government. Uh, who, how dare they question... Uh, this great individual, which a total exaggeration, by the way, of I actually read Sully's book, the book that the movie's based oh, on. Oh, really? Yeah. So he used that event to make an attack against government, an anti-government movie. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. So sure. I, I, I'm not with his politics. No, but, he, I, but like, I love, I love Million Dollar Baby and the one the was it Unforgiven with Morgan. Well, you're so, really yeah. going back in time. Yeah. You weren't even... No, I was alive. <laughs> that I'm was like adult. a 70s movie, wasn't <laughs> no, it? No, no, no. That was like 90s or early... 2000s. Is that right? A 90s? Yeah, yeah. maybe right. But I, I remember I, I, did, I did like Million Dollar Baby. I like some of his movies. I'm not saying I wouldn't, but... I don't, right. I don't want to see this Richard Jewell movie just because of that. Well, and just I'll because, And just because the actress is like saying, like defending it. And it, when you have parents who are journalists, I think you have some integrity. Well, you know, she's got to promote she's the movie. She's the same person. You know, she, she direct, I know she directed our favorite movie, Booksmart. She directed Booksmart? That actress, yeah. So that that made me... Okay. Of like that was not my movie. favorite movie. That was not movie. my favorite either. Yeah, so. I didn't like... Book, oh, you were being facetious. It I'm was, like, I didn't like Booksmart at all. I didn't all. either. All right. Now, let's talk about uh, Dorothy Brown's case. This has been on my mind. And uh, Dorothy Brown, of course, is the uh, clerk of the circuit court, outgoing clerk of the circuit court. Uh, there has been investigations uh, into uh, job selling and allegations into uh, in her office forever. And uh, Romana, did, this is one of my pet peeves. It's always the little people that go to jail or prison, and it seems like the big people don't get caught. Somehow or other, Dorothy Brown, and I read today's story in the Sun-Times, very good story about the sentencing of an employee in Dorothy Brown's office named Bina Patel. And according to the story written by uh, John Seidel, or Seidel, the federal court reporter for the Sun-Times, uh, Bina Patel uh, was the person who took the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was being forwarded to Dorothy Brown's businesses or her husband's businesses for someone who wanted a job in the office. And she's going to prison for lying about taking the money. Yeah, perjury, because uh, they said that she was basically thwarting the investigation by lying to a federal grand jury. And there was also, there's already another man that was um, charged in relation to this case for the same reasons mm -hmm. but he was uh, given probation and bina patel was given two years in prison no sorry the other guy was given probation she was given two years in prison and uh, i don't know if you saw what the judge said yeah, but the judge that. basically said there's one person she noted that there's one person who's not here and then she said that is dorothy brown i don't know if she said dorothy brown but then she said quote for some reason you made a decision to lie and protect her and she's not here to help you when you need her i thought that was pretty interesting and uh 
it's interesting because her Dorothy Brown's office has been investigated since 2014. It's been quite a while. I was surprised when I saw that. I thought it was just like only three years, but it's been that's five years. Five years. Yeah. yeah, not that three or five years is such a difference, but I don't know. It was. It, it's pretty interesting. I don't know. We, we still don't know what's going to happen to Dorothy Brown. <coughs> we still are waiting for the results of that investigation. Correct. Yeah. Well, I. So you don't know what's going to happen to her. So. You're just saying that you think she's going to get a slap on the wrist, or I, I like, don't, I don't know if anything's going to happen. It's just Patel shouldn't, Patel shouldn't have gotten anything. Well, you know, I, I think about this a lot. I talked about this before, before you got here about Eddie Gate uh, and the things that Eddie Gate, Eddie Johnson, uh, you know, that, that people get fired over, uh, and and now I look at this. This really reminds me of Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen was uh, Donald Trump's lawyer. Mm-hmm. He's in prison. He just, I don't know if you saw this, but he had an appeal to the judge. He, he wants leniency, and he, he realizes that he, th- he threw his life away by uh, dedicating his life to Donald Trump. Thought he was cool hanging out with Donald Trump and being his uh, bag man or whatever he was, uh, his enforcer. And so in the case of uh, being a Patel, the way the story is written in the Sun-Times as they lay it out, uh, Patel accepted a quote-unquote bribe uh, from this employee taking $10,000 in cash he brought to the Sabre room in an envelope full of $5,000 cash at the corner bakery across from the Daily Center, and the money uh, then went to a business owned by Brown and her husband. So Patel takes the money. The money ends up not with Patel. She didn't take the money. She didn't t- keep the she money. She delivered. She's the delivered, deliverer. Yeah. So the person who delivers the money is going to prison for lying to federal investigators about delivering the money. And the person on whose behalf, apparently, the money was <laughs> delivered is just hasn't been indicted or anything. No, it's it's maybe they're building their case. I don't know. I'm just trying to be devil's advocate here. I just don't know what's taking so long. No, it's taking a long time. <laughs> yeah, so I, Good I God. Don't know. I mean, what's going to happen, you know? I mean, meanwhile, Dorothy Brown's, you know, eating cake with her face on it and... She got reelected in 2016, even despite the investigation. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I. Interesting. it's just, uh, um, I don't know. It, it seems like the, it, it has happened so many times. It's just they, the, the investigators, they're working their way up. They're working their way up. And then they just kind of run out of gas or run out of steam. They don't have a case. They're worried about going after powerful people. Uh, this is I see this going on with Donald Trump right now. And then they just they'll just settle with the Michael Cohen's and Bina Patel's of the world. Yeah. Uh, go uh, to federal prison. But I'll tell you this, that judge was absolutely correct. Uh, judge uh, Sarah Ellis, uh, she was telling Bina Patel in so many words, what Michael Cohen is coming to the realization. And that is when you do the dirty work for some powerful person, uh, more often than not, it's, it, they're not going to be there for you no. when you face the consequences. Nope. You know, uh, and this woman seemed like she was pretty dedicated, Dorothy Brown. Then she also had a picture of the judge on her nightstand. That's what it said in the story. It's kind of interesting. And she just said that it's been hell for her every day. So, yeah. Anyway, she seemed remorseful. Uh, yeah, as she heads off to federal yeah, prison. Yeah, yeah, I know. Everybody's <laughs> uh, <laughs> remorseful as they head off yeah. to federal prison. All right. Uh, I guess you have to be. All right. I need your uh, your thoughts and reflections on our president, Donald John <laughs> Trump. Last week, we had a discussion about whether we hate certain politicians. <laughs> it was a very fun discussion to have with you. Uh, and uh, Donald Trump 
it seems to uh, violate all kinds of standards of acceptable behavior. And Every to s- recap last week, for those who didn't listen, you don't hate Donald Trump, right? Or Rahm Emanuel. Or Rahm Emanuel. You don't hate, hate anyone. No, that's not true. That's actually not to remember. We had the discussion. Okay. Well, who do you hate? I hated Hitler. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, oh. remember I said, there's like a... a you know, there's Hitler over here. Ben right. remembers something. Whoa. <laughs> and then there's like Trump over here. I think there's a gap between Trump and Hitler. We do not agree with yeah, me on that know. one. I'm you, not, you would, I'm not, you no think comment. No, no comment. comment. I'm not commenting. I, okay. Uh, let me say this. I think there's a big gap between Rahm Emanuel and Hitler. You will agree with that. Will you not? That. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I, okay. I won't comment on the other thing, but I agree on Rahm and uh, Hitler. I mean, listen. Uh, I have my problems with the way Rahm Emanuel uh, ran the city of Chicago, but in a million... Take a chill pill, man. Thank you, Rahm. In a million years, I would never compare him to uh, to Hitler. So, you know, that's hate. That's what you, you gotta... I always feel hate should be reserved for people that are, you really hate. So I wanted to make sure our listeners had the recap yeah, last week. Okay. But it was a delightful conversation, and then I had I repeated it over the weekend so many times. <laughs> it's like people were talking to me about, do you, don't you hate this one, and don't you... And, you know, and sometimes I'll say, like, when LeBron James, I remember, went to the Miami Heat, uh, and they this is 2010, he created that super team, and the Bulls didn't get him. I know that this is getting mad. Don't talk Bulls. Let's ramp it up, buddy. People Come on. Saying, I hate LeBron James, and I felt bad about that. You know what I'm saying? I don't really hate LeBron James. Uh, anyway, uh, so Donald Trump, man, he has lost his mind. Talk about this one. So young Greta Thunberg, mm-hmm. I, I could be mispronouncing her name because she's Swiss, so she probably pronounces it totally different. Right? Isn't she Swiss or she's Swedish? I don't know. Anyway, she's a um, young woman. She's 16. 16. She's a young girl who is a climate change um, advocate. advocate, Just basically telling us about the things that we can, you know, she's been talking to different people. She's dressed at UN. So she was named person of the year by Time Magazine. Mm -hmm. And Donald Trump, who is so clearly jealous that this young woman was named um, person of the year started tweeting and said that Greta must work on her anger management problem. Then go to a good old fashioned movie with her friend, with a friend, chill Greta chill. And you know, this young woman has Asperger's syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's, I think, I think you would say that she was on the spectrum. So, you know, her mannerisms are a little, you know, different. Obviously, you know, a lot of people, you know, the way she addresses or talks about climate change can be very, very passionate and, I don't know what people with this syndrome, like what sort of symptoms they have, but you know, she's this young woman who gets this award and he seems jealous. And what's interesting is that Melania Trump, her whole, um, she's, she's a anti-bullying advocate. And just last week, um, Baron Trump was her, the son that she has with Donald Trump. Um, his, his name was brought up. Baron Trump's name was brought up during the impeachment hearings and Melania Trump was very mad and her campaign is called Be Best. It's like an anti-bullying campaign. So, of course, you know, as a parent, I can understand, as, as Barron's parent, I can understand her, you know, frustrations. But she's supposed to be an, an anti-bullying advocate. And she was kind of silent about, you know, her husband going after the 16-year-old girl. Mm-hmm. Um, Baron Trump is now 13. So, you know, Maxine Waters even tw- tweeted to Melania, tell your husband to be best and enroll. And she said, why do he enroll himself in anger management? Um, and I think the White House um, just released a statement a few minutes ago, right before I came in here. And they said something like, you know, Melania Tr- and Donald Trump, you know, communicate differently. 
And then it is something like her son is not, a, but Baron Trump is not an activist who goes around giving speeches about climate change. He's a 13 year old who wants and deserves privacy. So what is that supposed to mean? Like there's two different standards for kids. You know, if this kid is talking about climate change and, you know, he's, he's that she's like fair game, you know, it's just, it's interesting. That's, it's like, that's you're, what you're like, saying. Yeah. You know, you're this like man that could be her great grandfather and you're going after this young woman. It's just a young yeah. girl. I should even say she's not even a woman, you know, she's not an adult. No, the standards are so low have fallen so much. And, uh, you know, I, I see Democrats right now are, are freaking out. There's a lot of articles out there uh, that Democrats are freaking out because the, they were so worried that Donald Trump will be reelected. No, no one, everyone realizes uh, that he will be uh, acquitted by the Senate. There's no way they're going to vote to impeach him. We all know that. Uh, and that uh, somehow or other he'll roll to victory again, even if even if he loses by more votes because mm-hmm. of this crazy electoral system. So Democrats are, are freaking out. And th- what I like to point out is that I think that with Trump, his standards of behavior is so, is so wretched. When he does things like this, like when he makes this uh, ad hominem attack on a 16-year-old uh, who has raised critical issues. I mean, so you could a deal, if you want to address the issues, whether you th- Donald Trump apparently thinks uh, climate change is a hoax, it's not real. Even as the ice caps are melting, even as like water is rising into Miami, uh, and and so he thinks it's a hoax. Uh, so okay, you could deal with the issue of climate change, but this attack on anybody who dares to disagree with him or to call him out, uh, let I, alone a teenager, a teenager. And I think that um, uh, most presidents in the past would have been restrained themselves no matter what they felt privately what they said in the confines of the white house they would have restrained themselves they wouldn't have said it publicly Mm -hmm. and i have to believe i keep saying this romana uh, and many of my democratic friends say no ben you're deluded but i have to believe that just like a majority of voters in the states the key states of wisconsin michigan and pennsylvania will not tolerate this behavior and will vote against it. And that, I think, will ultimately drive Donald Trump from office. I could see by the look of utter skepticism (laughs) on your face that you have no faith whatsoever (laughs) in the voters. I I think some people really, I think the people that voted for him still don't think he does anything wrong. they hear something like this and they said that he's telling it like it is. Yeah. And you know, there has been criticism about Greta Thunberg. Like I, I, I'm someone who believes in climate change. I can say that. Um, but one of the things like, I you know a lot of people say, well, you know, there's so many young kids who are doing things, you know, she's mm-hmm. not the only one. Why does she get like, you know, there's so many kids of color, like, and there, and there's been a lot of articles about this, like why aren't they getting the same attention? And she does come from a place of privilege. So she's talking about like, oh, you know, she takes a boat all the way from, you know, wherever she lives to New York. And I'm like, yeah, you're able to do that, you know, so not because she's against plane travel. Mm -hmm. So it's like you're, you know, she's like, I think her parents are like her dad's, uh, her mom's an opera singer, her dad, I don't know, but she's privileged. So it's like, yeah, it's very easy for you to take a boat because you can do that. But so that's some of my, not, not criticism, but I'm like, yeah, it's easy when you have that access. But at the same time, climate change, he's talking about, you know, 
most 99.9% of the stuff or a hundred percent of the stuff she's saying is not, mm-hmm. it's based in truth. And she has like legitimate points. And for Donald Trump to get, I, I feel like he's just jealous because this young girl is on the cover of Time Magazine and he's not. There's probably a lot of that going on You know on what I mean? Too. It's yeah. like he gets so jealous. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's like, and this is the leader of our country. Like he's so worried about who's on the cover of Time Magazine. And that's why I'm saying. It's like, don't you have I, yeah. other other problems to deal with mm-hmm. or other issues to deal with, like running the nation than worrying about who's on the cover of Time Magazine? I mean, does he like, I don't know. Does he go through the magazines and tries to find out whether he's on the cover or not? And then Yeah, he's, that's still a gripe. I think he was really mad that he wasn't a newsman of the year one year at Time Magazine. He's still mad about that one. Uh, uh, anyway, Romano was saying before I let you out the door, your recommendation, what are you going to watch? I, I don't know if I, ha- I, you know, I haven't really watched what movies were released this weekend. I know the Wait, Richard, Richard Jewell. Jewell. Yeah. And you know, I've been hearing a lot of stuff about bombshell. Yeah. I'm you know, see I don't even see that. I don't know. I have conflicted feelings about that as well. Uh, has that come Just, out yet? No, it's going to come out the Christmas. Christmas but, movie. Um, uh, but yeah, Fox anyway, and... I know you talked about you started watching the um I started watching Marvelous Mrs. Mason. Yeah. Ms. And, uh, the How, year... What do you think? A lot of women like it. So my I, friends I, told me to start it. I, I love The Marvelous Mrs. Mason, but I'm watching it and I realize uh, it's... I just don't think it's for everybody out there. So <laughs> I, mean, I hesitate mean? to... What does that mean? Is it just for girls, women, No, I... It, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, it's like it's set in the, in the late 50s. Uh, it deals with Lenny Bruce and uh, she's a female comedian, comedians, and the, the family is eccentric and it's bizarre. And uh, they break into song and dance uh, at the drop of a hat. Uh, and uh, I'm, I love it. It's my cup of tea. Oh, okay. I thought I, you were going to say, oh, it's so weird because you made it sound no, weird. No, but I mean, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm, when, I, when I say all these things, I'm thinking, I don't know who, I think it's more a reflection of my peculiarities that I like. Like there's a, the opening segment of, of season three, there's a USO show and it goes on for like a half an hour. Oh, no. And uh, I'm like, I enjoyed it. I, lo- I loved it. But I'm like. Dang, how'd this lady get this this show made? That you know what I mean? It's just we're gonna do it for UN. half an hour, really. Maybe well, but they keep cutting back to it, so they show the dance. Is it just music? They show she does. Mrs. Basil does a comedy routine, and the, there's the dancers that come out yeah. and dance, and then there's a singer who comes out and sings. I think so they show the whole thing. Yeah, yeah, but they the they they break they cut. It's not like a half hour oh, full okay. chunk. They cut back to it constantly. So if you add up all the time, yeah. uh, and I enjoyed it, and. Um, so anyway, listen, I'm 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 hesitant to say run, don't walk to watch the Marvelous Mrs. Basil. I do want to watch it. I, I do want to watch it. I will try to watch it. But you're not you're not. And I saw a marriage story last week. Not feeling a marriage yeah. story. I'm not running or walking to see that one. You can watch on Netflix. You don't have to run or walk. You can That's just sit true. On, I can sit waddle down to uh, Netflix. <laughs> waddle. <laughs> waddle down to Netflix. Um, anyway, Romano saying thank you so much. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. All right. Thanks. Very good. That's Romano saying. I'm Ben Jarosky. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everybody. What you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. 
and listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. Chicagoland Cremation Options.com. One more time. Chicago land cremation options Com. It's Chicagoland's Adult Entertainment Playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right, it's made entirely out of butter, and it, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922.